welcome to the Plastic Surgery Practice Podcast on the MedCorp Podcast Network. I'm Carrie Stevens, and I'm joined by my co-host, Allison Warner. We're the co-chief editors of Plastic Surgery Practice. Today, we are excited to have Dr. Alex Zeranian back with us to discuss one of the most common cosmetic procedures, abdominoplasty. Dr. Zeranian is the founder of Zuri Plastic Surgery in Miami, where he specializes in aesthetic procedures of the face and body, including facelift, eyelid surgery, rhinoplasty, breast augmentation reduction, abdominoplasty, liposuction, and the Brazilian butt lift. Dr. Z, thank you so much for joining us. Now, in a previous episode, we spoke to you about the Brazilian butt lift, focusing on the need for better communication with patients about the risks associated with BBL procedures and how you're using ultrasound technology to improve patient safety. So like I said today, we're going to focus on abdominoplasty. Now you wrote an article for the website titled From the Battlefield to OR, Abdominoplasty is Still an Evolution. And we wanted to get a bit more in depth about this conversation around the topic. Um, so you mentioned in the article, abdominoplasty had become the fourth most common cosmetic procedure in the US by 2019, with more than 140,000 operations performed this year. So from what we know, what are the most common reasons patients are seeking out this procedure? And what are you hearing in your practice? Yeah, abdominoplasty is a very, very uh, significant part of my practice. I have a lot of patients coming pretty much from all walks of life that are interested in improving the abdominal contour um, that they currently have. They're not satisfied with the shape that they have. They feel sometimes very square, very boxy or they're uh, having a lot of abdominal protuberance, uh, either from history of massive weight gain, massive weight loss, uh, or multiple pregnancies uh, that really you know, bring them into, into my practice, looking, looking to better themselves, looking to feel better about how they look, how they feel. Um, and, and so that's why it's, it's, I think it's really become such a popular operation. Well, you know, you talk about how the procedure has advanced since its inception to treat truncal wounds in World War II, and you write that the tech, but you write that the technique still falls short of perfection. So where is it falling short at this point? Yes, I think, you know, since that World War II era, you know, where we were using these procedures really for life-threatening injuries or, or you know, reconstructive efforts, um, you know, became a cosmetic operation that uh, became pretty standard in its technique and its approach. But, um, you know, we've all been trying as plastic surgeons to to up the ante and to push the ball forward when it comes to what kind of cosmetic result we can get that doesn't leave the stigmata of uh, any scarring, uh, that doesn't, you know, leave any evidence behind that, you know, you've, you've been there as a surgeon, that you've made an incision, that you've done all of these techniques uh, to improve the appearance. So, you know, we've got a lot of work to do still, I believe, in, you know, trying to advance some of the technologies that we're using to do these, this procedure, in particular, suture materials, um, you know, um, the addition of liposuction, the addition of other uh, radio frequency devices that I'm now using in my practice to enhance tissue contraction, for example. Um, you know, we're doing more high-definition abdominoplasty um, now than, than ever before. Um, and, and really, you know, the, the suturing techniques have really improved and, and the quality of the scars and, you know, and, and the overall results have, have changed dramatically in the last 30 to 40 years. Okay. And so when you talk about high definition abdominoplasty, what does that mean? What does that look like? 
So it's a combination of liposuction with abdominoplasty. And now, now more than ever, the addition of uh, radiofrequency skin tightening modalities that uh, have come onto the scene, well, probably in the last five to six years, uh, where we've been able to, to use these technologies to provide more enhanced uh, definition. So one of the biggest problems with abdominoplasty in general is if you, if you went 30 years ago and looked at the before and after photos in the archives of plastic surgery, you would see abdomens that looked very flat. Um, there was no contour to them. There was no central contour, no oblique contour. Um, yeah, you'd get rid of all of the extra skin, um, you know, and that was a huge improvement and a huge leap forward. But, you know, you could really tell somebody who had a tummy tuck done versus someone who didn't because the result wasn't natural. Um, and so now what we're doing is we're pushing the envelope and really making these abdominoplasties look extremely natural with, with very good definition. And, um, you know, the South Americans really pushed this, uh, you know, concept of adding liposuction to the abdominoplasty procedure, you know, in Brazil, Argentina, um, you know, in South America, basically where, um, you know, they've, they've really helped us as Americans, uh, plastic surgeons, you know, really refine our techniques. Okay. So, um, you know, that's liposuction abdominoplasty. I know another article, or another technique that you mentioned in the article was combining um, monsplasty and um, abdominoplasty. How does that come together? Yeah. So the mons is an area um, difficult to treat for any plastic surgeon, um, depending on the amount of skin laxity that the patient has. These are predominantly in patients that have lost uh, significant amount of weight. We're talking about more than 50 pounds of weight loss uh, where there's a lot of skin sagging and the Mons area is an area where a lot of this extra skin accumulates. And for a lot of women, you know, their concern is, you know, well, you do this beautiful abdominoplasty and then you have a very heavy Mons. You have a very thick Mons that if they wear, uh, you know, the, um, the, uh, the yoga pants that all the women like to wear nowadays, yes. that they're, they're not going to have the, uh, the kind of cosmetic uh, result that they're going to be comfortable walking around, you know, Whole Foods Market with their uh, yoga pants on. Mm. So, you know, that's an area that we have, you know, we've done a lot of uh, improvement on, you know, to liposuction those areas, to pull the skin tighter, to do techniques to fixate the mons pubis, you know, to the abdominal wall to prevent it from sagging, you know, after the abdominoplasty. And, um, you know, the people are, you know, patients are very appreciative of that because the results are, are superb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And one of the points you make in the article that really struck me was that while most people requesting abdominoplasty do so for cosmetic reasons, you know, whether that's to enhance their appearance or self-esteem, abdominoplasty with muscle repair for people who have recently given birth can go a long way to prevent future health problems. You know, what kind of health problems are you talking about? Yeah, so abdominoplasty has both a cosmetic and a health benefit. So we're talking about health benefits regarding decreasing the amount of adipose tissue that a patient has overall. Um, you know, this is what we call parasitic fat. I mean, we, this is what, we, yeah. you know, it's a literal term in medicine called parasitic fat. And I think it's a great description of what this fat is doing to the, to the, to the human body um, when it's just sitting there and it has no purpose whatsoever. Um, it is, you know, it's flaccid tissue. It increases your chances of diabetes. 
Uh, it can increase your chance of heart disease. Um, your body is having, and especially you know, specifically your heart is having to pump uh, at an increased rate um, in order to perfuse or to oxygenate all of this fat that is really just hanging there and not doing anything for you. So beyond the cosmetic benefits, um, you know, of abdominoplasty, there are there are huge, huge health benefits that I think a lot of patients um, don't know about. And, um, you know, you see these in, again, in the massive weight loss patients where we do a procedure called a paniculectomy, which is very different from an abdominoplasty, okay. whereby in a paniculectomy, we just, we basically just cut off a huge piece of tissue, but there's no cosmetic intent. It's basically completely functional in its in its purpose. It's to you know rid the patient of uh, basically bad skin eruptions, rashes, skin breakdown in the mons pubis area, um, and it's strictly just for functional purposes. But the abdominoplasty goes much further than that in regards to its cosmetic goals. No, that's interesting. And now though, for those looking for less invasive options to treat the abdominal area, what are the options that have the best outcomes? Well, you know, this is the crossroads that all plastic surgeons and, and non-plastic surgeons who evaluate patients for cosmetic procedures, this is what they need to understand. You cannot do enough exercise to get rid of loose skin, mm. okay? That is never going to happen. So if you go to somebody, some medical professional, some healthcare uh, practitioner who tells you, you know, just go ahead and exercise. You know, I want you to go to the gym and I want you to be on a strict diet plan. Call it whatever you want, intermittent fasting or keto, you know, diet or whatever you want to do. Skin is skin. Skin does not respond to exercise. Okay. Um, that is putting your patient on a very... Um, unfortunate and very frustrating path um, to, to no result in terms of their abdominal shape, abdominal contour, and their skin laxity. Those patients, you know, if they have enough skin laxity, they need a tummy tuck. That needs to come off. Uh, there's no cool sculpting in the world. Uh, there's no external radio frequency devices. There's no cavitation. There's no fancy massages. There is no hocus pocus that's going to get rid of loose and flaccid skin. And I think a lot of people are afraid to say that. I yeah. think a lot of plastic surgeons don't want to say it, you know, frankly and honestly, uh, because they don't want to scare patients away from their med spas, um, you know, where they're doing a lot of other procedures that are, quote unquote, you know, helping with this problem. But we all know it's not going to work. So now let me. The contrary is, you know, there are patients that are on the fence. There are patients that they have some skin laxity, but they don't have a ton that would warrant a tummy tuck. So in those examples, you have liposuction with the addition of radiofrequency devices for skin, you know, or tissue contraction that could be of benefit. But honestly, you know, Carrie and Allison, there are no non-surgical options that are worth skin tightening um, it's just, there's nothing out there. I mean, I haven't seen anything that is worth, worth it. Yeah. And you mentioned the article radio frequency. Um, how does that play into it? Yeah. So let's say that you're on the fence, right? Let's say maybe you had one pregnancy. Okay. okay. And you just have a very small amount of skin right above the mom's pubis. 
and you know you could get a little pinch out of it but maybe it's not that much but you're just not happy with it you just you don't like it you know you you don't feel comfortable wearing a bikini um so nowadays instead of just hey let's try to do some liposuction and put you in a compression garment for three months and do some massages and hope and pray that your skin is going to retract and it's going to look smooth and flat um, we can now use internal radio frequency device um, that you do at the time of surgery it enters the same exact uh, port that you use to do the liposuction that you pass your liposuction cannula through. It's a one-time treatment. Um, and it's very effective because it's getting underneath, uh, the, you know, underneath the skin and you can, you know, turn that machine on and get some, you know, decent, you know, tissue contraction out of it. Now, is it going to make everything perfectly flat? No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Is this magic? No, it's not. <laughs> But, you know, it, 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 you know, it could be great for certain patients that don't need a tummy tuck. Right. Right. Well, also, you also mentioned um, ultrasound. So is that kind of falling in the same kind of parameters there for its use? Yeah. Yeah. There are ultrasonic devices as well. There are laser devices mm -hmm. as well. Okay. They all have their pros, their cons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, radio frequency is great because the degree of heat that's produced is typically not in the in the degrees that would cause uh, a burn, okay, a, a, a tissue burn, uh, which can in some cases lead to pretty bad complications, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you could imagine a, a, a burn, um, you know, after lipo. So, um, you know, we want to use devices that we that we know are going to cause improvements, but are not going to cause complications. Um, and so the FDA is good at that. You know, the FDA mm -hmm. in the United States is very good at monitoring these technologies. You know, keeping a close eye on them, looking at their statistics, looking at their complications, and they're they're happy to pull these these devices off the market in a heartbeat, right? Um, if there's a trend uh, for negative results, mm -hmm. uh, so. Okay, yeah. well, um, what are some of the other important trends in abdominoplasty that really stand out to you today and in your practice? Yeah, you know, a lot of it has to do with muscle plication, um, and you know whether or not. Uh, to fix the muscles or to bring the muscles together is done in every surgery, every tummy tuck? Is it only done in particular tummy tucks? And, um, you know, in my practice, I've really found that doing a muscle plication is extremely important. Even for the patients that only have minimal muscular separation, they get much better cosmetic results. And, um, you know, what you use in order to repair these muscles has also come a long way. You know, there used to be techniques of individual suture placement with permanent sutures. And, um, you know, now there's a trend towards sutures that take a very long time to reabsorb, but they do eventually disappear. And you don't have any foreign body left behind, which is very nice. Uh, they're extremely strong and durable, and um, they provide great results. But, you know, you, you take a poll of different plastic surgeons, you know, you know, not only in this country, but across the world. And, you know, you're going to get a lot of different techniques on how some surgeons do their belly buttons. What suture material do they use? Um, you know, you know, there's a lot of claims to fame, like, you know, the Beverly Hills belly button or the Miami <laughs> belly button, or, you know, <laughs> everybody thinks they're a belly button expert, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, that, that is a part of abdominal plasty that is always evolving that, 
people, you know, a certain, you know, doctors and, you know, plastic surgeons are always pushing that envelope because everybody wants a very natural uh, umbilicus. They want a belly button that has no scar around the outside that you cannot perceive that the person had a tummy tuck. Um, and, and so I think that that's, you know, part of the conversation that we had at the beginning was what are the advances and, and that continues to evolve, um, you know, every day. Okay. Well, um, with all that being said, what really excites you when it comes to performing abdominoplasty procedures in your practice? What, what, what has happened in the last, you know, decade or five years that has really stood out to you? Yeah, I just think it's the ability to produce, uh, you know, results where people can't always tell whether the tummy tuck was was done or not. And yeah. I think to me, that's the that's the greatest compliment mm -hmm. is when, you know, I have a patient come back and tell me, hey, I had this surgery and, you know, nobody's like gawking or like looking at me to see if like they can see a belly button scar or you know, they're not looking at me strange. Like my, none of my family members, you know, have really, you know, given me any like negative feedback at all. Like mm -hmm. everybody thinks it looks so natural and the incisions are so thin and, and clean and, and uh, the scar placement is so low and I can hide it in my bikini. You know, that's what excites me the most, you know, especially, you know, for patients that have had a, a huge journey regarding you know, gastric bypass surgery, and they've lost 100 pounds. And, yeah. you know, you do a circumferential abdominoplasty on them. And it's, I mean, the results are intense. I mean, they're mm -hmm. amazing. They yeah. really, really change. And they're so grateful. You know, I, before I got on the podcast, uh, you know, I had a patient that just came in for a follow up from last week. And, you know, she was in tears of, you know, of how grateful she was for her transformation. And, and most of my patients say, I wish I would have met you like 10 years ago because I would have done this, you know, right. a long time ago. But it takes a lot of courage to get it done. Absolutely. No, I think that's great. Actually, one of my neighbors, I just thought I had a um, tummy tuck. She had the mommy makeover. And I have to say, she looks incredible. So whatever y'all are doing is working for sure. Um, just as a last question, what advancements do you have your eye on when it comes to this procedure? Yeah, so I think we still need a lot more work on the, the the tissue contraction technologies. I think they're really in their infancy right now. Um, there, there's a lot there's a lot to to learn about how to improve tissue contraction, how to get uh, more um, reliable results. In my opinion, uh, more universal application for them, you know. And then again, at the same time, just keeping in mind that you know when you start pushing the envelope, like in anything you do in medicine or in science, you have to be careful uh, of the speed in which you, tr you try to make these advances because, you know, there will be complications uh, along the way. So I, I do think we need a lot of, a lot more long-term studies related to these devices um, to really, you know, strategize and, and tailor the technologies to, to get us where we need to go in that realm. The suture materials, I, I still also think, need a lot of evolution. Um, you know, they have come a long way since World War II, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but they, they still have a lot. Yeah, they still have a lot, a long way to go, in my opinion. And um, yeah, I think that's where we're at. That's where we're at nowadays. And you know, we also need better weight loss modalities, I think, okay. as well for people. 
Um, hmm. People have a really hard time losing weight. And body mass index and this surgery go hand in hand. Really? Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're very closely related because we know that obese patients, they're not going to have the same type of cosmetic result. They're going to have more visceral fat content. They're going to have more complications. They're going to have more infections, more blood clots. Um, and we need a better way to, to get, you know, to get better weight loss done safely. Hmm. No, that's interesting. Okay. Well, Dr. Zeranian, thank you so much for joining us again and for your interest in the trends in abdominoplasty. And to our listeners, be sure to check out Dr. Zeranian's article on the Plastic Surgery Practice website. Until next time, be sure to subscribe to the MedCorp Podcast Network to be alerted to future episodes and to keep up with the latest plastic surgery industry news, visit plasticsurgerypractice.com. Until next time, take care.